Yo, 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 what's good, everybody? What's good? What's good? What's happening? We're back. We're back. We're back. Welcome back to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. Welcome back. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Um, Wow. So I know previously I dropped a live reaction to what I was doing uh, after game seven. I dropped a live reaction. And I gave you guys that live reaction because I wanted to give you guys my first initial thoughts of what happened. Um, but obviously, we're going into the conference finals. Obviously, I'm going to break down a little bit of what happened in game sevens um, and with both Milwaukee and Boston um, and Phoenix and Dallas. I'm definitely going to get into that. And then I'm going to look ahead at the conference finals matchups that we have uh, tipping off really, really soon. So I'm looking to get you guys, deliver you guys an episode. I Like I told you guys, I was going to be right back later this week. Um, I'm going to have a special guest come on as well, too. Probably middle of the middle of the, in the middle of this episode, I'm gonna have a special guest come on and talk about um, the Dallas Mavericks and their 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 deep playoff run. They're in the conference finals. Um, what's the what's the difference between this Dallas Mavericks team in previous years and so forth? Um, obviously, the superstardom, the 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 gist of Luka Doncic has t- completely risen. So. Let's get into it. Let's not even waste no time. Uh, as you know, I'm your humble and highly favorite host, Isaiah Kidd of the Isaiah Kidd Podcast. We are back at it again with another episode. I'm so excited. So excited. I, and I know a lot of you guys, I, I, I'm great. I'm I'm glad that I was able to give you guys my first initial thoughts um, and reactions to Game 7 because a lot of you guys responded well and um, you like seemed like you guys liked that. So I might do that in the near future more. Um, after some significant games or significant, you know, sporting event, I might just give my first initial thought, first initial reaction, and then later on debrief a little bit more and unpack it. And that's what I'm going to do here. And let's start. We obviously know that the conference finals matchups are set. We know what happened in game seven, both game sevens. And I must say this before I even dissect anything. Both game sevens were completely, they were blowouts. Both game sevens were blowouts. Um, and despite, but despite them being blowouts, we learned a lot. Despite the games, despite these game sevens not being relatively close, especially the second game seven, which was Dallas and Phoenix, we learned a lot on both sides. And I'm going to start with the Mavericks and the, and, and the Phoenix Suns. <clears throat> As I've said, so the previous episode, I had no layups. I had Najee, a.k.a. no layups. And we talked about the possibility of this series going seven games. And initially, I picked Phoenix before the series started. I picked Phoenix to win this series in six games. Um, but as I told you guys, as I said to Najee, if it goes game seven, if this series goes seven, I'm going to pick the best player and the best player on the floor, and it wasn't even close, was Luka Dantage. It was Luka Dantage. And typically, usually, and I know it's become somewhat of a cliche, but for my opinion, and for a bang for my buck, in game sevens, I typically, usually go with the best player. I go with the team that has the best player. You know why I do that? Prime example was Game 7, Dallas versus Phoenix. I you ch- I chose the best player, like, because, because, th- looking like, like, think about it. Does 
do the Mavericks really have a better quote-unquote team than Phoenix? Uh, probably not. Many would argue that Phoenix is better as a team. But Luka Doncic is the truth. Luka Doncic is the guy. And he was by far the best player on the floor. That's why I chose him. As I, as I already explained, Luka Doncic, he came out, he set the tempo, the pace, and the dynamic of the game. When he came out smoking hot, the Mavericks and the supporting cast followed like right along. They followed right along. And I must say this about Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd defensively did a hell of a job with neutralizing Devin Booker and made Devin Booker look a shell, look like look like a shell of himself. That's what Jason Kidd was able to do defensively. But if you're Phoenix, this is what this is what you got to take away from the game seven. There's a lot of takeaways. Obviously, Chris Paul did not play well. After game two, Chris Paul was miserable. Chris Paul was atrocious in this series after game two, both offensively and defensively. Devin Booker, you can tell throughout the series, he struggled. And then in game seven, he had an ultimate meltdown. DeAndre only played 17 minutes in game seven. You know why? He, you know, he got in a little, he got in, he got into it with, with, uh, with Monty Williams. But you know why he only played 17 minutes? Well, you're big. You're a center that can't shoot. Phoenix was down 40. Of course, you're not going to play huge minutes. They need buckets. They need points. Quick, fast. Couldn't get it. Cam Johnson finished as the Phoenix Suns' leading scorer. 12 points. But Luka Doncic with Phoenix, and this is something that Phoenix can take away. And you usually there's some big takeaways and and these types of losses. Dallas handed that was a beatdown that Dallas handed Phoenix. But the takeaway is Luka Doncic shows you the truth. He showed you the truth, and he showed you the gap between him and Devin Booker. He showed you the gap between himself and Chris Paul. And I think a lot of people, they get it confused because Devin Booker, he had a great season uh, this year, this past year. The Suns had won 64 games. A lot of people said Devin Booker had a strong MVP case. Uh, and then, you know, we think back to the finals run last year where Devin Booker really emerged into stardom. But Luka Doncic. And it takes great players. It takes really, really great players like Luka Doncic to really give you the truth. And the truth of the matter is Luka showed you the gap between himself, Luka, and Devin Booker. And that gap is wide. And Devin Booker is not a one. He's a two. He's a second option. He's not a first option. He's a second option. He's a really good second option but he's a second option. He is no first option. And I thought that was clear. I, like, I, I, I kind of I kinda knew that already. I knew that already. But there were a lot of people that were singing the praises of Devin Booker. And it's okay. But a lot of people were singing the praises of Devin Booker. And it, and it took a moment and an example like this versus a real number one. Luka Doncic arguably might be the best player remaining in the postseason. 
and come and coming into next season, I will find it really, really hard and difficult to believe that he's not going to be a top five player. If like he may be a top three player heading into heading into next season. Luka Doncic might be a top three player heading into next season. And you guys know, I've been on, I've been pushing this Luka train and Luka being the next face of the franchise, next face of the league, the next face of the NBA for some time now. So this is no surprise to me. This doesn't come as a surprise to me. This is just confirmation for me in terms of how great Luka is. And I think he's just scratching the surface. Luka, Luka, I think he's just scratching the surface of how great he can be. But it takes great players like a like like Luka Doncic to show you the difference between himself and Devin Booker. And that's no shot to Devin Booker. I think Devin Booker's a great player. I think he's a star in this league. But there's a difference between a star and a guy that's a top five player. There's levels. And Luka Doncic showed you that there's levels. Now, Phoenix, what Phoenix can do is Phoenix can take that, learn from this, and find and add another additional perimeter score. That's what Phoenix can do. Because when you look at how Phoenix broke down offensively, you had Devin Booker, who who at 6'4", struggled to create his own shot, and nothing was falling. Devin is not going to... And, and Devin, he, he's, be, he's become an improved playmaker. He has improved in that area. But Devin is not going to be the guy, if he struggles shooting the basketball, he's not going to be that guy that's going to floorize and make Mikael Bridges better, Jay Crowder better. So you rely on Chris Paul to do that. And I think too often in this series, too often when Booker didn't have a great showing, when DeAndre Aiden didn't have a great showing, the onus then falls on Chris Paul. And at, and at Chris Paul's advanced age, and I think we have learned this already, Chris Paul being your first option is not going to win your championship. Chris Paul is a point guard. He's a pure point guard. He should not, you should not be relying and have, and this onus shouldn't be on Chris Paul to be this first option on a championship caliber team. So when God, so when Devin Booker, when your young guys don't show up, when Booker and Aiden don't show up, the onus is then on Chris Paul, and that's just too much of a low for Chris Paul, especially at his advanced age, to carry. So then you look at guys like Mikael Bridges and Jay Crowder. Mikael Bridges, I thought he had a very disappointing series. I thought he had a very disappointing series. And I'm not saying he had to shut down Luka, but I thought he had a very disappointing series where... Okay, defensively, Lucas torching you. But offensively, you're not even hitting the same. You're like, you're not hitting your threes at the same rate. He wasn't giving you the same production offensively as he usually does. Plus minus was negative 40. And then, I, 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 like I said, doing my live reaction, when Jay Crowder is your third option, 
that tells you you like that, that like when Jay Crowder when you're relying at times I'm not saying all the time but when at at times when Jay Crowder becomes your third option and you're depending on Jay Crowder to be your third go-to option offensively that is a recipe for disaster and that and that tells you all you need to know about the Phoenix Suns this year that tells you all you need to know about the Phoenix Suns this year. I'm not saying Jay Crowder is the third option, okay? I'm not saying that. But when you have DeAndre Aiden not being effective, when Devin Booker isn't being effective, then who's next in line? Like, you, then the onus is on CP3. Well, So when, when you're relying on Jay Crowder to fill in, to come up and fill in, that is not a recipe for success, and that should tell you all you need to know about the Phoenix Suns. That should tell you all you need to know about the Phoenix Suns. Simple as that. Simple as that. Chris Paul, we can talk about Chris Paul, and I know a lot of people are giving him slander, and rightfully so. And I know one. I know some people are saying, "Well, you're saying, well." How come all this slander is coming for Devin Booker after just one game? In moments and situations like this, this is where legacies are made. This is where legacies are made. Game sevens in the postseason, deep playoff runs, crunch time, critical moments. These are where you're like this. These are the type of moments that either make or break legacies. For Chris Paul, it's another blown 2-0 lead, the fifth blown 2-0 lead throughout his career. And for Devin Booker, I don't think he realized how much damage this really puts on his res on, like on his reputation. And Devin Booker is a great player. Like I said, he's a really great player. He has come into his own. But he, but Luka Doncic showed you the gap and the margin and how wide it is between himself and Devin Booker. And he showed you the difference. Luka Doncic showed you the difference between a guy that is a bona fide superstar, a guy that can take and lead a team into some deep playoff runs, as the guy and be the guy and show up every night. And he showed you the difference between, between a guy that's just a second option. And Devin Booker, to me, was a second option that was masking himself as a first option. A wolf in sheep's clothing. That's how I look at it. A wolf in sheep's clothing. And that's what we have with Devin Booker in the Phoenix Suns. He was masquerading as a first option, but in actuality, he was a second option. And and with, with with great players, when great players show you, when they have examples like this, it takes examples like this. But when great players show and exemplify the difference between a superstar and just a star in this league or a first option and a second option in this league, Phoenix can learn from this and add an additional perimeter score. That's my take. That's my take. 
And with the Mavericks, I think I'm because I want to I want to get to the the Celtics series. With the Mavericks, you are seeing the 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 the, the progression and the difference between this year's Mavericks team and the previous two years, the two teams, the two-year team, you know, those years where they lost the Clippers in six games twice. The difference is defense. The difference is defense, literally. Like, offensively, they have always been potent. They've always been potent offensively. Luka's always put up big point totals. He's always average. His averages look great. They look phenomenal. Offensively has never been a problem. But defensively is the difference between this year's Mavericks teams, this year's Mavericks team, and the previous two years where they lost to the Clippers in the first round in six games. Defensively. And and like I said, a lot has to do with that with Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd has installed, he has installed a defensive mindset into this team. You have Maxi Kleba, who's come up really huge defensively. You got obviously Denny uh, Finney Smith, great D, three and D player. He's shooting forty one percent from three in the postseason. Reggie Bullock, uh, he had a really good series defensively, being able to guard and being able to knock down open shots. And then not to mention the backcourt, the black the backcourt buddies that Luka Doncic has now. Jalen Brunson has come to play, and then Spencer Dinwiddie had a breakout game seven. That's what you have in Dallas right now. That is the key. That is the key distinct difference between this year's Mavs team and the previous two that lost to the Clippers in the first round in six games. Okay. So let's shift gears to the Boston Celtics advancing to the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, I think this is the fourth time. Is this the fourth time? I think this is the fourth time since 2017 that the Boston Celtics have advanced to the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, obviously, we know who they beat. They beat the Milwaukee Bucks in seven games. Um, and I want to de- debrief that really quickly. Milwaukee, you can tell. And if anything, if this this tells you about the postseason, right, if you learn anything about the postseason, it seems as if in today's NBA, you need perimeter depth, and guys, athletic, a combination of athletic wings that can defend and also shoot the ball. That's essentially what you need. That is an essential piece to being a really dominant playoff team. And with this Celtics team, obviously we know how great they are on defense. I've been I've been saying it over the past couple of days. There's good defenses, and then there's the Celtics defense. The Celtics defense is otherworldly. And I honestly think I think it starts with their size. And you think about it, when you think of, oh, a team has good size, you think of like, okay, they got seven footers. No. The Celtics don't have seven footers just walking around. No, 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 no. When I mean the Celtics have great size, the Celtics have great size because, look, Al Horford, 6'10". Greg will uh, uh Greg Williams, Robin Robert Williams, 6'9. And but his but he's undersized center, but his athleticism makes up for his undersized, for him being undersized. 
Then you got Jason Tatum, who's 6'8", 6'9", on the perimeter, who can defend. You got Jalen Brown, who's 6'6", 6'7". That's length on length. And then you have Marcus Smart, who stands about 6'3", 6'4", but not a small guy. That right there, that is what, in today's NBA, that's great versatility, and that is what you consider great size. So it's not this, it's not just Boston rolling out two, three, seven footers. No, 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 no. But they have length on the perimeter. And then even with their undersized bigs, their undersized big are agile and versatile enough where they can switch everything and they have the athleticism to make up for them being undersized. That's what Boston has on their side. And I would argue that Boston so far throughout the playoffs, they probably have looked like the best team, and they've had the toughest path to the conference finals out of any team so far, probably. Out of any team, they've probably had the toughest path. They they swept Brooklyn. They had the defending champs. They beat them in seven. And granted, Milwaukee, I know they didn't have Chris Middleton. But I think up until this point now, the Celtics have had the toughest road to the Eastern Conference Finals. I consider them battle-tested. But in terms of what happened in this Game 7, what happened in this Game 7 is, first, Milwaukee's ability or lack thereof not being able to defend the three-point shot. This year in the regular season, Milwaukee gave up the most three-point makes throughout the year. They gave up the most three-pointers made they allowed the most three pointers made throughout the regular season. That was still a trinkle. That was a that was a domino effect that rolled over into the postseason, and they allowed the Celtics in Game Seven to make twenty two three pointers. 22, 22 three pointers made in Game Seven. That's the most in Game Seven history. And Grant Williams, as you guys probably know, had the game of his life with making seven threes. So Milwaukee's ability, or like I said, lack thereof, to defend a three-point shot killed them in Game 7. You can tell, even though Giannis, statistically, you look at his averages, look at his points per game, his rebounds per game, like, that stuff looks great. Statistically, Giannis had a really good series. But you look at his efficiency, his efficiency took a hit. It took a dramatic hit. And the style of play of Giannis... Boston's physicality on defense, it weared him out. And by game seven, Giannis was was done. He was done. He he, he was done. It was no more. Drew Holiday, I think, is a fine player. I think he's a I think he's one of the better two-way wings that we have in basketball. But when it comes down to it, do you really want Drew Holiday shooting 20 plus shots a game? Mm, no. He is not that type of guy, and that's okay. He is not the type of guy. But you can tell the the loss to Chris Middleton, the absence of Chris Middleton, really, really came back to hunt the Bucks because you had Grayson Allen, who looked like a deer in headlights, no pun intended, but he looked like a deer in headlights, and he, he, he stunk it up the last two games of the series. I think he went 1 for 7 in game 6 and 0 for 6 in game 7. Pat Connaughton just, just, just couldn't deliver enough. And so overall, 
I have the same viewpoint in terms of what Phoenix needs to add, like more athleticism on the perimeter. I think Milwaukee, like I said, the absence of Middleton really displayed itself. It really showed, especially down the stretch as, you know, the key guys like Giannis and Drew Holiday, fatigue started to be a factor. You could tell that missing option in Middleton was was it was critical. So I think Milwaukee, in order to better ensure that they're they're in better predicaments and you know and have a better situation and you know in a time like this where there is an injury to the perimeter, I think they need to add athletic, more athletic wings. More athletic wings. That that would be uh the tweak for Milwaukee that I make. I think Milwaukee's core is fine. Um but this series for Milwaukee and Giannis, it looked a lot like the second round exits that they had prior to them winning the championship. In terms of Giannis, like points per game, his averages look fine, but the efficiency just was not there. He didn't have the same efficiency as he had in last year's playoff run, uh, you know, getting deeper into the conference finals and then the NBA finals. And I think a lot has to do with, with the absence of Chris Middleton. It shows you how valuable Chris Middleton is. Not saying that Middleton is the most valuable buck, but in terms of a seven-game series and you're playing up against a defensive-oriented team like Boston, you could tell the absence of Middleton's 20 to 25 points on a nightly basis was a huge loss for the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, I want to shift gears. Uh, I, want, I, have a, I have a Celtics segment. And, I, you know, Celtics fans are not going to like this. And, and, and it's not, it's not, it shouldn't be something that they shouldn't like, but I think this is just a fact. And this is more so me complimenting and me boasting about the Celtics more so, if you think about it. Now, I know a lot of Celtics fans were excited about the Game 7 win. Grant Williams had a great win. I mean, he had a great game and so forth. The Celtics, they advanced to the Eastern Conference Finals, I think for the, what, the fourth time since 2017. Here's my thing. Here's my thing with the Celtics. They are the ultimate example of, like, 401K. The Celtics don't take no risks. They don't, they're not, they're not merely as aggressive as the Lakers. And when you think of the NBA and big brands, and you guys know how I get about big brands within sports. I think typically when you look at different sports and the bigger brands and the biggest brands of those sports, you think of them taking risks because they want to win it all. They want to win championships. They're all about winning championships. And the Celtics are about winning championships rich historic background front basketball franchise they're about winning championships it's titles or bus and i think but the celtics go about it in a different way in terms of like you look at the lakers you look at alabama football you look at the dodgers you look at the patriots even in football you look at you know even the rams they're not like a huge football brand but you think but the rams they have taken on this approach of being aggressive and pivoting away from things pretty quickly. And you can just not even, not even the big brands, but look at who's winning championships throughout sports. Who's winning championships? You look at who's winning championships in sports, it's usually teams that are taking big swings, 
being aggressive, not being afraid to pivot away from things that don't work. And with the Celtics, yes, they have had this long reign of consistency. They have been consistent. Consistently, they have been really good. But they have one champ with that throughout that throughout all that consistency, throughout the span of 30 years, throughout the span of the last 25 years, they have they only have one championship to show for it. One championship to show for it. One. So people talk about people give the Lakers a lot of crap and people give the Lakers a lot of hell. But I give you this. One thing about the Lakers. One thing about the Lakers, they pivot and move away from pieces and things that don't win them championships. And they do it in a timely manner. Sometimes some some critics will argue that they do it too quickly, that they that they move off of certain players, they move off of certain coaches a little too quickly. But the Lakers. They move off of things that don't win them championships in a, in, in a timely manner. If it don't win, if it don't make a dollar, you know how, you know that saying. Like if it don't make a dollar, it don't make sense. Well, if it if it, with the with Lakers, if it doesn't win them championships, it don't make sense, and they move off of you really quickly. They move off you really quickly. So like right now, the Lakers, their salary is a little. They 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 made some salary cap hiccups. They got some they got some contract hiccups, financial hiccups, so forth, right? They do. They do. But at some point, there it, it usually takes them a while. Not it well, not I'm not going to say a while. But they usually don't move they don't take they don't waste no time moving off of things if they can. They don't take no they don't waste no time. And throughout this same 25, 30 year span, the Lakers the Lakers have won six championships. To the Celtics won. You know what the key difference is? Yeah, LA is uh is a sexy, attractive free agent destination. Sure. Boston isn't really a free agent pub. It isn't really a free agent hub, but the Lakers also within that, they move away and they pivot off of things much more sooner than the than the Celtics do. The Celtics hang on to their assets. They hang on to their young assets. Remember Danny Ainge used to just hold on to all these picks. And one of these picks has materialized into Jason Tatum. But a lot of those other picks that he was clamoring on to and hanging on to haven't really materialized to anything else. So I say this, I say that to say this. This year, it is championship robust for the Celtics. It is championship robust. It's cute. Yeah, they made the conference finals once again. What's new? The Celtics must win the championship this year. This is their best opportunity. This is their best opportunity. They have to win the championship this year. This is their best opportunity. It's championship robust. In 25 years, all the consistency that the Celtics have had, all 30 years, all the consistency that the Celtics have had, consistency, I say this, consistency can be your best friend. But if consistency doesn't give you 
the overall result at the end, then what good is consistency? <laughs> what good is consistency if it doesn't give you the overall result at the end? Especially for a brand like the Celtics. This isn't just any old regular degular franchise that we're talking about. We're talking about the Boston Celtics. They're all about winning championships. Rich, traditional, historic franchise. That's what we're talking about. That That is what we're talking about. We're not talking about some lousy old franchise. No, no, no. We're talking about a, a franchise that is rich in tradition, a lot of historical background, and they're all about winning championships. And throughout the last 25 to 30 years, that has not been the case. That has been one championship. Only one championship. Some would argue that the Celtics are like basketball glory. It's basketball. Like, like one would argue that. Some would argue that. Celtics fans will argue that, certainly. One championship to show for it in 30 years. Consistency got to be better than that. And I and I make this second point. Typically, usually, in order to win championships, and you can look at past and previous champions in this league, those teams usually have a top five player. Usually. Now there can sometimes there's always exceptions to rules. There's always exceptions to rules. So I'm not saying every NBA champion, but throughout the throughout the league's history, there is typically the team that wins the championship usually has a top five player. So you gotta, you usually typically have to have that top five player. I think the Celtics, granted, I think Paul Pierce is an all-time great. I think Paul Pierce is a great player. I thought he had a great career. And maybe there was a year or two where you can point out Paul Pierce was probably a top five player, but throughout the throughout his prime. Paul Pierce was not regarded as a top five player. Simple as that. Like I said, there would you could point out a year or two where maybe you could make the argument he's a top five player, but throughout the longevity of his prime, throughout the gist of his prime, Paul Pierce was not regarded as a as a top five player. So the Celtics over the past twenty five years, and it took it took Paul Pierce to get Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen. To win a championship, it took that. But outside of that, the Celtics have been searching for their top five player in order to win a championship. I think this year with Jason Tatum, I think they have it. I think this is the year where Jason Tatum is entering his prime. We have seen him take leaps and bounds defensively. He has turned himself into a legitimate two way star in this league. I think we may, depending on depending on how this playoff run ends, Jason Tatum may be walking him himself into top five category. I certainly think, looking at all the young guys in the league, if you're asking me the three players that I'm taking over the next five to ten years, Jason Tatum is amongst that top three. He's that damn good. So I think the Celtics finally have what they've been searching for, a legitimate player 
who's a top, who can be considered a top five player. And throughout this playoff run, I think he's been a top five player. So the Celtics, my two things, my two takeaways, championship or bust, you can no longer be satisfied with just making the conference finals. I see fans celebrating making the conference finals. No, it's about winning championships now. And then your top five player. I think Jason Tatum, I'm not, I don't, I'm not sure if he's a top five player yet. I think depending on how this playoff run in, he could make a he could have a damn good case for being a top five player. And yeah, throughout this playoff run, he's had his bad games, but he's also his highs are really high. 46 points in game six. Amazing. His best play, his best game of his career. I think the Celtics have the, I think this is the Celtics time. This is the Celtics time, and this is their best opportunity to win a championship. I think they can do it. Will they? We'll see. But I think they are in really good position, prime position to do so. Okay, so I'm back. Um, as I said, after the quick break. I was gonna bring on a special guest of mine. Uh, he's been, I think he's he's been on my podcast before. Uh, we've debriefed and talked about the Mavericks. I think it was actually uh, we talked about the Jason Kidd signing and how we we thought we thought the Jason Kidd signing was gonna be really good. So I like to introduce my guest, uh, Landon. I got Landon Buford. Uh, well, I mean, journalist, reporter. He does it all, really. Um, I'll bring him on to talk about the Mavs. He covers the Mavs and so forth. How you doing, Landon? I'm good. Yourself? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Um, so yeah, like like I was saying. So the first time I brought you on my pod, uh, my podcast, we talked about for a little bit, for a portion of it, we talked about the Mavs hiring Jason Kidd, and it's turned out to be a damn good hire. As I think he, um, I've been telling people throughout this Mavericks playoff run, the key difference, the key distinctive difference uh, between this year's team that has gone to the conference finals um, and people are giving a hell of a shot to beat the Warriors and, the uh, you know, the previous two years where they lost to the Clippers in six games in the first round is basically their defense. And a lot of that has to do with Jason Kidd installing that mentality. Now tell me this, game seven – um versus Phoenix. Can you give me a sense of where the like as a team what their thought process was? Obviously, Luca and the team was very confident. Um, like just give me a sense of in a pulse of like of where this where like how the Mavericks were feeling going into game seven. Well, that, from what from what you know, obviously what Spencer did, what he was saying is that they could you know hold him to a certain percentage. I think that I think it was around forty percent that he said uh, pre game seven. So like game six, right before or uh, the the I guess you could say the press conference uh, right after practice, right before game seven, they were like you know it was like forty. If you can hold it for forty percent, and um, you know obviously play together, um, pretty much show up you know, have other people show up besides Luca, uh, they would be, you know, they would give him a chance to win. I'm paraphrasing. But um yeah, that's pretty much what he said. Obviously, you know, um he, you know, showed up with 
uh, 30 points off the bench um, yeah. in that blowout uh, win. Yeah. Luca at one point, obviously, you know, uh, matched him with points um, all by himself. At one point, actually, you know, had three more points than um, than the whole uh, Suns team at one point. Yeah. Uh, at one point on Twitter, I started posting, you know, Luca's numbers compared to the Suns. I wasn't even posting what the Mavericks were doing as a whole. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it was pretty. It was pretty close. I think at one point, um, I stopped posting when the Suns had a ten point lead over what Luca had when he was on the bench. Mm. That's how. You know, that's how bad it was. But wow. um, as far as the post goes, yeah, Jason Kidd said before the game that you know, uh, regardless of what happens today, it wasn't a failure for this season. You know, the great ones have to learn. Uh, you know, learn um, at some point uh, through wins and losses. So I mean, he kind of. He kind of tempered um, the expectation, you know, basically saying if they beat us, you know, it's not a failure type of thing. Obviously, after they beat him, um, he was trolling everybody that didn't pick the Mavericks to beat the Suns, which was every every reporter at any every publication, you name it, they said the Mavericks weren't winning. Right. Uh, so um, you had Stephen A. Smith apologizing on Twitter. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie accepted his apology. You know, they're doing the same thing now, saying that, you know, the Warriors won't have a, 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 a they don't have a chance against the Warriors. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not saying that they won't even, you know, they're not going to win games. Warriors fans, I posted something the other day. Warriors fans like the fact that the Mavericks are giving them um, their respect as, you know, um, you know, a franchise that has, uh, you know, potentially, uh, dynasty written all over it. If they can get back into the winning circle, um, as far as championships goes, mm-hmm. uh, three years removed, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. um, yeah, um, there's a lot of narratives going around this, you know, for this series, but, um, I wouldn't sleep on the Mavericks if I was anybody. Clearly, yeah, I, they, they, they've proven people wrong before. I certainly wouldn't. Um, and it's kind of funny. They've had an interesting playoff run. Like the first round, a lot of the Mavericks, uh, a lot of the, the narratives and the storylines going into the first round was, you know, Luca's injury, how long, you know, how many games were he's, was he going to miss? Um, and was he going to be back in time enough for it to be a series? Mm-hmm. With the Mavericks, they split at home. They go to Utah. They win a game. You know, uh, Luca comes back. They win. They beat Utah in, a, in convincing fashion, I must say, in yeah. six games. And then they take on Phoenix, the number one seed uh, in the in the West in an entire league. They won mm-hmm. sixty four games, and Luca put on a virtuoso like performance throughout the series. And then he comes in in Game Seven and just and just he, like I for myself as I describe it, I think Luca he showed the gap between himself. And Devin Booker, because mm-hmm. Luca is certainly a superstar. I, in my opinion, uh, I think he's probably the best remaining player. Like I think he's the best player left remaining in the playoffs, and he's certainly probably a top three player, um, or, or going to be a top three player heading into next year. Um, mm-hmm. And you just look at what he did versus Phoenix; it's just absolutely phenomenal. Now, tell me this with Luca, um. After Game 7, or looking at what he did Game 7 throughout this series and going forward ahead versus Golden State, what should be, or or I should say this, how is Luka's superstardom rising? Like, 
how big was this game seven for Luca's like young legacy that's still being written at the age of twenty three? It's a milestone. Um, I know before the, the the season, everybody was talking about you know Trey Young's you know um, uh, run last season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, you know there was injuries in that you know um, in that particular series. That, I mean, the series that he was involved in. I don't want to take anything away from him, but there was a point where at some point people were saying that these guys were equal, right? Right. Because they came in the same draft. Oh, Luca can't get out the first round. Uh-huh. Well, he's already obviously you know uh, reached that point. Now, obviously, Trey Young, I think, got a game or two against the Bucks in the uh, Eastern Conference Finals. So if yeah. you can get a – Luka can get – it's already there. So, I mean, they're kind of matched as far as, you know, the, the lengthy of the playoffs. But if Luka can get a couple of those, those, those the, the, that, that narrative will d- disappear. Um, and if he gets to the finals, obviously, there's nothing to talk about in regards to um, – how far they've gone in their career thus far, right? So, yeah. um, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, single out the Trey Young, you know, uh, um, comparisons, but I just wanted to put that out there. Um, uh, game seven, I mean, obviously, this is where, you know, um, this is where superstars are born, yeah. right? Yeah. Obviously, you know, Luke is not afraid of the moment. He, you know, damn near took his team, you know, his, uh, his, uh, country team to, uh, mm-hmm. To, I think he was uh, to the. I think he uh, played in the uh, bronze medal game. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, that's huge. Um, he, that's huge. He did that. I'm not. You know, he did that basically by himself last year. <laughs> right. 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 You you talk to people like a um. You talk to a people like a Gilbert Arenas. He you know basically you know in Gilbert's words, not mine, took a. YMCA team to the playoffs last year against the Clippers and went seven get seven you know seven uh, seven games there right, right right so it's not like he wasn't in a game seven and he hasn't been in big games before right yeah. it just wasn't game seven the magnitude it was against the Suns right, right. Mm-hmm. so um yeah he he's definitely um submitting his his legacy his young legacy at twenty three years old I think um. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think somebody sent me something where Jalen Rose said Luke is the best player in the world right now, right? Yeah. Um, yep. I, I well, I'm not gonna say I disagree with him. Yes, I cover the team, but I mean, obviously, what he just did, uh, against the Suns is you know is something worth noting, right? It is. Chris Paul had, uh, I guess, uh, uh, Mark Spears, uh, reported that Chris Paul had a quad injury. That's why he wasn't, you know, himself, um, you know, in, in the last, you know, from games three through through seven. Right. 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 Unfortunately for Chris Paul, every time that he has, you know, uh, triumphed in his career, for the most part, he has been brought down by an injury. injury. Even last year's playoffs, mm-hmm. even though he got to get to the finals for the first time, um, there's always been an injury situation when it comes to him. But it always happens at the wrong time. Right. I think his best opportunity to probably win a championship was with that Rockets team where they took Golden State to seven games. Seven games. And mm-hmm. people said that even if he would have beat Golden State, Cleveland would have washed the floor with them. I don't think Pete Harden like that and Chris Paul and those guys that had the defensive side of things uh, that they needed to um, 
give the Heat fits like they gave the Golden State Warriors fits, I think they might have won a championship that year. Right. But but we'll never know because you know you can't speculate when you know uh, things don't uh, don't happen and they're standing right in front of you. We know that. Um, as far going back to Luca, um, he's already exceeded expectations. Even if if they don't win this 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 series, he's already exceeded expectations, and obviously. The Mavs are going to do what they need to do this summer to tweak what they need. Obviously, there's, you know, um, um, I, I'm not looking at the sheet of paper. Um, I I don't, haven't heard anything this. I, I think that they look to move um, Tim Hardaway off of the contract they just gave him. Okay. Um, I think that if they were to do that, they have a replacement in Spencer Dinwiddie. Absolutely. Um, that I feel is a better consistent player. Then, when healthy, of course, then a Tim Hardaway, because you get you get like a twenty point game from Tim Hardaway, and then like the next game, he's he's got three three points, five points. Yeah, he's a no show. He's a no show. And then what? Um, and then what is a better ball handler? Then what yes. can you know create shots for himself and others? A lot, a lot of people within the you know the Mavs fan base feel like that they shouldn't have traded Seth Curry. Mm, yeah. Um. Uh. When when they did, uh, people feel like it should have been Tim Hardaway uh, Jr. been the one that should have been traded instead of Seth Curry because of the chemistry that him and Luca had. Right. But hey, in hindsight, twenty twenty, they're here in the Western Conference Finals. Um, you know, no disrespect to the Nets, but they're at home. Um, yeah, uh, Luca 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 is is becoming a NBA superstar before our eyes. Um, he said he doesn't want to be called a superstar, but I mean. For the most part, I mean, that's what he is. That's what he is. That, so, like, that's what he is. So, I, I think, yeah. I think, um, I think with Dallas, I mean, and with and with Luca, uh, he may not want to be called that, but like, you know, I thought maybe you know the the playoff runs, the first two years where in the bubble they lost in six to the man, I mean to the Clippers. They lost in seven to the Clippers uh, last year. Uh, this seemed like this seemed like with a, a coaching change, uh, Jason Kidd being more relatable. Mm-hmm. I thought this was a really good match. Like like I said, we talked about it even in the summertime. I thought this was a really good match with Kidd and Luca. Um, and it seems as if like because like last year you were you were breaking stories about. How Luca and Rick Carlisle often got into it. Can you talk mm-hmm. about a little bit, uh, which you can give us um, on air, a little bit of the dynamic between Jason Kidd and Luca? How is it different? Um, you know, I think Kidd has more of a relatability factor, given that Kidd is a bit younger than Carlisle. But give us the dynamic between uh, Jason Kidd and Luca Doncic. I think. I mean, obviously, Rick Carlisle won a championship, so I'm going to give him respect for that. Absolutely. For that, for that feat. Um, it's not it's not easy for a coach to win a, a NBA championship or any championship in any prospective league, right? Right. But not many players are being coached by people that you can say, look at the accomplishments. Not to say that you couldn't do that with Rick Carlisle, but Rick Carlisle is not as, as accomplished on a – basketball court in regards to as a player as a Jason Kidd, right? Obviously rookie of the year. He's got the championships. He actually led his team twice to an NBA finals back to back years. Uh He's 
one of the best um, uh, basketball minds to ever play the game. Um, I, you, he can actually. I mean, I feel like he's been able to reach Luca on a different level than Rick Carlisle has. And obviously, you know, Rick Carlisle knew some of that because he recommended Jason Kidd for the job, right? So, right. Um, there, you know, there's some, you know, uh, there, there, there's some, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? There's some uh, mutual respect there, right? right? Right. So, um, I think last year, obviously, um. I hate to say it, but some of these coaches from that, you know, the, the, the older generation is their times is starting to expire. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they can't relate to this generation of players. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's highly um, documented that people love Cuban as an owner, but some of these, you know, high, you know, high profile players did not want to come to Dallas and play under Rick Carlisle. They would give him his respect as a coach. But they didn't want to come here and play for him. They would never play for him. They would never play for him. I'm not going to put the names out there. You guys can go look that stuff up. I'm not here to to bash anybody. Right. But um, yeah. Uh, Jason Kidd is very respected around the league. Obviously, um, he, you know his his basketball mind is is a one. Um, he's you know top seventy five for a reason. Right. You, I mean, I don't know if you guys saw the uh, the the uh little in-game uh clip of him actually coaching dodo on those guys on the sideline saying you know basically stay you know stay home stay um uh there's there's a clip that tnt put out yeah yeah phenomenal i don't i don't see many coaches doing that from the sidelines yeah you're basically having a like he basically is a defensive coordinator and telling you what to do right then and there before you before you're able to do that. Right. There's not that many people to do that. And Devin Booker is very talented, right? So for that to happen for him, for Dodo and those guys to put the pressure on him with Jason Kidd actually speaking that into existence, people forget Jason Kidd used to play both sides of the floor. Great you know what defender. I mean? Yes. Great defender. He would actually defend some of the best your uh, the other team's best players. At, at certain points. So, I mean, um, he never won a defensive player of the year, but I, I don't know how many defensive teams he was on. You know what I mean? I would have to go look that up, but I know he was on enough of those. He was a nine, uh, all, he was a nine time, all defensive type of guy. Okay. Nine so times. obviously he knows how to, you know, how both of the floors work and you're not called a floor general for just because you're you know, controlling the offense on the other side of the, uh, on the office side of the ball only. That's what a fl- real floor general is. He's doing it on both sides. Of the ball, absolutely. So with th- with that with that mindset being able to even he's even got Luca to buy in. Uh, people say Luca doesn't play defense, right? Luca played defense. Luca p- improved our defense. He I improved. Don't see, I mean, I'm not gonna see him in a defensive, you know, uh, player of the year uh, conversation. But yeah, but Luca improved defense, and they were a top five defense with Luca's improvement this year. That's huge. That's so, huge because that's a huge knock against Luca. But yes, I, and he got he got picked on a little bit after game two, but after mm-hmm. game two and on, you saw the effort on defense from him. Yep. So I I, I think that I think right there that just speaks to kids' um intelligence and what he's able to do, what he's been able to do with this Dallas team. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, and, and, you, and you know what? After a, I mean, like literally a year, this turned around. Um, I, I think that a lot of people thought. With Carla being there after 11 years, I know obviously I think Dirk was the last uh, 
championship member, right? Yeah. On that team. And yeah, he pretty much was the last championship member on that team. Everybody else was um not 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 there at the time. I think outside of JJ uh, J, uh JJ Barea. JJ right? Barea, yeah, yeah. Um, Wesley Matthews wasn't on the team, but he was the longest tenured, I think, outside of JJ and Dirk before he got traded to New York. Mm-hmm. So, but these players talk to each other. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they, um, they know what certain you know, certain situations are before they actually, you know, um, come to a certain team if, if, the, if through a free agency situation. Right. So, I feel like the, uh, the, they're cleaning up the culture here in Dallas. They're making it, you know, obviously uh, a place where people want to play again. Um, people are talking about they kind of just threw this team together. Um, but it started really turned to turn around after the trade deadline. Spencer Dinwiddie came in. They beat this Warriors team um, after being down 20. Of course, I don't think Draymond was not there. Um, I think Clay was there, but Draymond was not there. Draymond was injured. So you can't really, you know, uh, dive into... They beat the, they beat the Warriors three times this year. Right. Remember they just started off a season where, I mean, uh, a series where they had didn't beat the Phoenix Suns in Phoenix since um, three years ago. Yeah. So yeah. you can't depend on what went on in the regular season. Um, you got to go out here and play these games. Absolutely. Um. So before I let you go, Landon, give me um, give me some takeaways or some things to look ahead into this next series versus the Warriors. Um. I feel like honestly, um, I'm I'm a I'm not putting anything past the Mavericks. Um, I think Luca, like I said, Luca, between him and Steph, uh, and I've seen, an, I mean, just is my personal opinion, but I've I've seen some slippage in Steph's uh in Steph's game a little bit this postseason, where at times you can tell he's you know he's there's some slippage there. Um, looking ahead. I think I think Dallas, especially with their front court guys uh, or their back court guys, I should say, in terms of Luca, Jalen Brunson, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, I think they really, I'm I'm really fascinated to see that matchup between the Mavs back court and the Warriors back court. Give me some, like I said, give me some key takeaways from or some things to look ahead to with this Warriors series and how possibly the Mavericks can walk away um, with a Western Conference Finals. Title. I, I, I mean, I don't. I, I obviously, I'm not um in the practices and things of that nature. Right. But when I saw the way that they dealt with Chris Paul in pick and roll, and Luca basically taking advantage of that matchup, really, he took advantage of every matchup that he that he played against. Right. Yeah. Um, I can see him doing that. To, I can see him doing what he did to 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 uh, Chris Paul, to Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Wiggins, Jordan Poole. And even Draymond. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's. I'll just put this out there. There's nobody left in these playoffs that can stop Luca, one on one, double team, triple team. It doesn't matter, right? Absolutely. I'll just go ahead and put that out there. There's nobody on the court that can do that. Marcus Smart can't do it. There's nobody on the Celtics. There's nobody on the Miami Heat that can do it either. There's nobody on the Golden State Warriors that can do it. But if Jalen Brunson, Spencer Dinwiddie. Uh, Maxi Cleaver and um, Davis Bert- uh, Bertans can show up, and if any of those guys can show up in the game with him, they have a chance to win. Um, I think that they'll probably use, you know, different variations of what they did to the Suns to um, to uh, to Golden State. 
Um, but also, Golden State's going to try to use Lincoln's weakness of not being able to play defense, air quotes, right? Right. On their side of the, the um, on their side of the ball to you know try to speed them up and things of that nature. But on the defense, I mean, the offensive side of things, the uh, the Mavericks are going to try to slow it down. What I would do though, I wouldn't use those long you know three pointers so these Warriors can actually get out and run. Right. Right. They want to do right. I would attack these guys in the paint um, with everybody. Uh, obviously, you're gonna, you know, um, Reggie Bullock is gonna want to shoot threes, Dodo's gonna want to shoot threes, etc. But I wouldn't take untimely step back threes if I'm Luca. Um, not to say that they don't go in, but I would, I would, I would, I would, uh, I would pick and choose when I want to do that because if you miss. The Warriors are going to get out and transition and start running and gunning. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah. there's certain things that you could do towards Phoenix, um, especially with you know DeAndre Aiden not performing up to his, to his uh, potential, and obviously with Chris Paul being injured, and everybody um, is you know you you can circle in on Devin Booker. You can't do that with um, Golden State because you got a Jordan Poole that you got to account for. You can't just circle in on a Steph Curry. Clay Thompson is still coming back. He's maybe about 70, 85%, right? Right. But you still can't leave that man alone, right? And, you know, every once in a while you see Draymond hitting a three or, or, or two. So you can't just you can't just slough off on something. you got to be aware of what's going on. There's Absolutely. Like I said, there's going to be certain variations that they use with the Suns, but then they're going to still have to come up with a better, uh, a different game plan because of the Warriors got too much firepower. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. Um, I think I'm now. I'm, I'm not. Gonna, I'm gonna admit it to you. Um, I probably lean with Golden State in seven games. Uh, I think it's gonna be a little tough for go. I, I think Dallas is gonna make it very, very difficult for Golden State. Um, and honestly, wouldn't surprise me if Dallas win this series. I wouldn't be surprised if Dallas win this series. Um, I know some people picking Dallas. Uh, I'm just. I'm going with more. more I'm going with Golden State more so because I picked Golden State to win it all. Before the season started, I picked them to win it all before the playoffs started. So I'm gonna take, you know, I'm gonna stick with I'm gonna stick with my take integrity. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with it, but I am I am I am not as confident in picking the Warriors and even in seven games. Um, I'm just not as confident. I would be I, I, honestly, I would be more confident in the Warriors if they were playing Phoenix, but I know with Luca. With a great player like Luca, he can often show the disparity um, between himself and other guys. Um, and that was a prime example in Phoenix versus Phoenix. Now, like you said, Golden State, I think, has uh, they, they definitely have championship pedigree. Uh, mm -hmm. Steph is an all timer. Clay is Clay is getting back into his form and rhythm. Um, and Jordan Poole is a rising star in this league himself. So I do think there is more to work with offensively, and it's going to be a little bit more challenging for Dallas to neutralize one or two guys like they did versus Phoenix. But um, any any just land real quick. Any last any last thoughts that you want to get off before I let you go? I'll I'll, I'll say I'll say this. Um, Golden State is. Um, in championship mode, um, there's they they gonna have to make a lot of decisions, right? If they don't if they don't get out of this Western Conference championship, right, and right. get to the final and win, or even get to the finals at all, right? 
Yeah. They're going to have to make a lot of decisions because they're going to be in luxury tax. They got to pay Jordan Poole this summer, right? Yep. Um, eventually, uh, I mean, I, I don't know if Wiggins has to get re-up if it's this year or next year, right? Yep. Um, you got to figure out, you know, uh, you know, Clay, Clay situation. Clay's right? making a lot of money. Clay's making a lot of money. Um, Steph, um, you know, everybody's talking about um, this is his legacy that we're that we're dealing with, right? Mm-hmm. Because you know, some player people are, are saying that you know Steph's the greatest of all time. Um, I I feel that he's a great player. I know he'll be a Hall of Famer. I'm not going to go that far, right? Right. Because um, there's a there's there's guys there's guys like Magic. There's guys like Kobe. There's guys like you know even you know LeBron to some extent, right? Yep. Uh, there's a guy. There's a guy in Charlotte that's an owner now. You know what I mean? Yeah, so Michael Jordan. Arguably the goat. Yeah, right? <laughs> right. So when you're talking about being at those tables, he's gonna have to eventually get a a, 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 a Finals MVP at some point, right? Right. If he can get it this year, um, you know that would be great. But you know we, you know, uh, depends on how if he even gets there and how he plays, right? Right. You never know. Jordan Poole might upstage him. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, um, and that's, that's, that would be crazy to say, right? But, um, I feel like there's more riding on this series for Golden State than it is for the Mavericks. Like, Absolutely. if they get there, if they get there, they're going to have it, you know, get some tweaks done, things of that nature. They still, they're still about maybe a, uh, uh, maybe a piece away. Right. Right. That's, you know, to be consistent like a Golden State, right? I'm talking, because they're already here. They're, they have arrived, quote unquote. Or you know, for to speak, especially not being in the play uh, in in this at this in this type of situation since 2011, right? right? And obviously, um, nobody picked them to win any of that series. I was a Lakers fan. I thought the Lakers were going to um, mollywop these guys. Unfortunately, right? So got swept. So um, yeah, um, it seems like the same situation. They're quietly doing the same yeah. thing. They beat it. They beat a Phoenix Suns team that just went to the finals. Mm-hmm, just just like went the to the finals. They didn't. They didn't win like the Lakers won the year before. Right. But they just went to the finals. Right. Right. They beat a streaky Utah team. Mm-hmm. Right. Portland Trailblazers with you know Brandon Roy's last you know last year as a you know as that guy that we know B Roy was because of ankles. Right. And you know leg injuries, and then you have a. "Quote unquote, go another, you know, another team that just went to the which that has been to the finals in a Golden State, mm-hmm. and you got a um, Miami team uh, that just went to the finals a couple of years ago, right? And a Boston team that's been in the Eastern Conference Finals three out of the last six years or whatever it is, right? right? So right. Four, four out of the last six years or whatever it is, because I'm not looking at the sheet of paper. Yeah, it kind of it kind of looks." It kind of looks different, you know what I mean. It kind of looks similar to 2011. I don't want to say that, um, but you know, because you don't know until they actually get there. But it's kind of shaping up that way, right? It, it is. It's very interesting. So people were talking about Kobe's legacy, like they're talking about Steph's legacy, right? Yeah. We didn't think that Kobe was going to be the last time Kobe was in the finals in 2010, right? Yeah. Going back to your, you you said Kobe's not going to be in the finals ever again. Man, you you're crazy. What are you talking about? They right. just came off a of run. They back to back championships, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But you know what? You never you, it, 
it, it's not easy to get there. We expected Kobe to get back after that point, right? Yeah. Just like we're expecting Golden State to get back right now, right? But they might not make it back. You never know. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it's more of a legacy on them right now. Um, um, everybody's picking Golden State, but like I said, everybody's picking they, – they pick Phoenix too. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So Jalen Brunson was asked about – um, the three, four, you know, the, the three game, the four lead, I mean, three, four, winning three games out of four this season. Yeah. And he said, we're not thinking about that because uh, you can't think that way if you're trying to, if you're trying to, if you're them, right? Right. Oh, we're going to, we're going to win because we, what we did in the regular season. No, because like I said earlier, they had to beat Phoenix in three years until in, in Phoenix um, until um, this last game. Right. So you never know. You never know, but you want to cover all obstacles. I mean, there's, you know, people, uh, uh, you know, a lot of these talking heads are going to try to say anything they can to get clicks and things of that nature. But I wouldn't sleep on Dallas, especially after what they just did. Obviously, they're going to give the respect to the champs that, that they deserve. But they're coming to take the, they're coming to, they're coming to take, they're coming to put a fork in um, Golden State's uh, dynasty plans. Wow. That's what. I'm gonna do that. That 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 would be an ama- an amazing like narrative where like Luca is shutting the door on Chris Paul's championship window. Luca is shutting the door on potentially the Warriors championship window and advancing mm-hmm. to the finals uh, for the first time. Uh, and shutting the door and shutting the door on the, if, if it's the Heat or Boston's. Yeah. Um, uh, run. Yeah, like because, think about it this way. At some point, they're gonna they're gonna have to come up and figure out what they're gonna do with Jadon Tatum and uh and Jalen Brown. Exactly. At, at some point. And, and I was just making an argument. I'm like, hey, Boston, they they've been at this thing for some time now. So if this core can't get it together this year, you know, you know, we're gonna we're gonna have to we're gonna have we're gonna have to answer a lot of questions about like, okay, now Luca has. Uh, like we we've been knew Luca was that guy, but he has certainly he's certainly shown himself that like okay he has arrived. But without further ado, I mean, think about it. Go think ahead, about go ahead. It. No, Last go ahead. night, LeBron was asked about which player is the best under twenty five. Obviously, you know he's he's seen Tatum, he's seen um, uh, Trey Young, all those places. He picked Luca. We know Luca is his guy. We uh-huh. know that Luca. We wanted Luca to be the first athlete under the LeBron. Signature line. Uh, signature line. Yeah, it didn't go that way. He went to Jordan, but we understand the connection between LeBron and 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 Luca. Absolutely. Absolutely. We don't know. I mean, everybody's asking you. Think that they would play play together? If it does, I think Luca's not go- at this point. Mark Cuban's going to do everything he can to keep Luca in Dallas. So if that was the case, LeBron would have to come here. Yeah, yeah. That, no, that, certainly, Mark Cuban is certainly not letting Luca no letting him go nowhere. He already made that mistake with uh, Steve, letting Steve Nash walk, right? I don't think he's gonna. Uh, uh, I don't think he'll make that mistake again. Absolutely. Well, um, thank you, Landon, for coming on. Uh, greatly appreciated. Any, you can. I mean, I'm a. You'll come. You're welcome to come back on anytime. Uh, let's see what the Mavericks do. Um, but without further ado, I'll let you go. Greatly appreciate your time. You know, giving us your time and giving us some knowledge about the Mavericks and so forth. Um, uh, I see you. No doubt. Peace. Peace. So that that was that. That was that spiel. Um, uh, I'm going to give you guys my predictions. I think Boston wins in six games. 
um, versus Miami. And I think Golden State wins in seven games versus Dallas. I do not feel comfortable or confident about that quite yet. I want to see how the first game goes, but that is my prediction. That's my prediction for the conference finals. Uh, obviously, we'll be checking in and tapping in and, you know, d- you know, breaking down game by game what's happening in these series. But those are my final predictions. Boston in six, Golden State in seven. Like I said, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little iffy about my Golden State in seven pick, but I'm going to stick with it. Take integrity. I'm going to stick with it because I picked them before the season started to win it all. Um, so I'm going to stick with that. Um, but without further ado, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I certainly did. Uh, I'm not going to hold you guys any longer. Like I said, we'll break down the conference. We'll break down both conference final series more as uh, they go along. But always remember two choices, one decision. I'm your boy, Isaiah Kitt. We're out. Peace. Gone. Deuces.